Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. Here's a story for you, a story called Tasting God. Today, we arrive at the fifth and final episode of our series, Sensing God. We've explored how we see God, touch God, hear God, and yes, smell God. Celebrating and exploring the ways we get to interact with creation, experience God, and be experienced by others as well. Each body is amazing in the way that it takes in the world around it. Not everybody is the same, but each body is beautiful and holy and senses the divine. Today, we are exploring the sense of taste. I have to be honest that as I was sketching out this series, I knew that this episode of Taste had to come on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a holiday that can be complicated. It has a history that's been mistold but it is almost always celebrated with particular types of food. This holiday is really about food and gratitude. And so it is the perfect week to talk about the gift of taste. Especially because in the 21st century, eating on holidays can be complicated. Balancing allergies, dietary restrictions, and preferences can be tricky. Health conditions may mean we have to avoid certain foods or certain quantities of food. There's also so much shame around bodies. Holiday meals can feel like minefields, both to prepare and to eat. So my hope is that today's episode can ground us in gratitude for our bodies, however they are. Gratitude for food, whatever it is and for the people we share it with, whoever they are. Because having any or all of these things is its own kind of miracle. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that food is all over the Bible. After all, food is one of the major things that we need to live. Food, water, warmth, and air are at the top of what we need to survive. The need for food motivates all sorts of actions in the Bible. For example, avoiding famine is a regular theme throughout the Hebrew Testament. And more than just needing to eat, there is actually a great deal of instructions on what is okay to eat in the Bible, at least in the Hebrew Testament. Kosher laws found throughout the Hebrew Testament guide practicing Jewish people in how to eat intentionally as a way of showing faithfulness to God. In the New Testament, Jesus indirectly and Peter directly say that people who want to follow Jesus do not need to adhere to these particular rules. Therefore, Christians do not keep kosher, though many modern-day Jews do, Countless conversations in both testaments happen around dinner tables. Wedding feasts, birthday parties, holiday meals like Passover, and Jesus invites himself over to quite a number of people's homes. Jesus is often found teaching over meals. Sometimes he teaches to only his disciples, and other times he teaches groups of 5,000 or more 
as they share a meal of miraculously multiplied fish and bread. Only rarely are we told what food they're eating at these meals. And when we are told what the food is, we don't actually often get a description of the taste of the food. Though it is clear that biblical people did care about taste, knew the difference between average food and fancy food, and even cared about the difference between regular wine and fancy wine. At a certain point, bounty, delicious food, and feasting became associated with hope and victory in God. Psalm 23 points to the hope of a banquet being on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good, a verse that is said in the context of praising God for deliverance and the rewards of being faithful. The book of Isaiah speaks about God's feasts in several places. Chapter 25 describes God hosting a banquet on top of a mountain with rich food and choice wines. Then later in chapter 55, the author of Isaiah prophesies of a feast where you don't need money to buy the food. It's an invitation for those who believe in God to come to the table. Jesus' first miracle in the Gospel of John is turning water into wine at a wedding that had run out of wine. The head waiter says that Jesus' wine is better than the wine that the host had provided. Even the book of Revelation mentions food. Chapter 22 speaks of a tree that produces 12 different types of fruit and whose leaves are for the healing of the nations. God knows good food. God wants us to enjoy food and celebrate with food. Now, God also knows what happens when people are hungry and angry, or hangry, as you might say. And a story about hangry people is the story that I want us to dig into together today. As you may remember from the episode Into and Out of, The book of Exodus tells the story of the people of Israel leaving Egypt to escape slavery. The story follows them from Egypt into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land. Moses is the leader of the Israelite people and his siblings Miriam and Aaron are leaders as well. The time has come for the people of Israel to leave Egypt. They pack up what they can carry and what their animals can carry. They bake unleavened bread to take with them, since they don't have time to wait for bread to rise. Moses leads them out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and into the wilderness. However, at no point in all of this action is the reader told how long these people are going to be in the wilderness for. So I don't think that Moses really gave them a timeline either. And it's not too long before the people start to grumble about their situation. This section from Exodus is the first of several times that the people complain against God and Moses, and God provides from them. Here's what happens in Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 to 15 and verse 31. This is from the Common English Bible. 
The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the Sin Desert, which is located between Elam and Sinai. They set out on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. The whole Israelite community complained against Moses and Aaron in the desert. The Israelites said to them, Oh, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots cooking meat and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you've brought us out into this desert to starve this whole assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them to see whether or not they follow my instruction. On the sixth day, when they measure out what they have collected, it will be twice as much as they collected on the other days. So Moses said to all the Israelites, This evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's glorious presence, because your complaints against the Lord have been heard. Who are we? Why blame us? Moses continued, The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord heard the complaints you made against him. Who are we? Your complaints aren't against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole Israelite community, Come near to the Lord, because God's heard your complaints. As Aaron spoke, the whole Israelite community turned and looked toward the desert. And just then, the glorious presence of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, I've heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will have your fill of bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, a flock of quail flew down and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the desert were thin flakes, as thin as the frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? They didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. The Israelite people called it manna. It was like coriander seed, white and tasted like honey and wafers. The people of Israel ran out of food. They had packed what they could, but it wasn't enough. Realistically, it was never going to be enough. People cannot carry all of the food that they will ever need in a single go. They were hungry, and they let Moses and God know about it. However, what's interesting to me about their complaint is that they're wishing that they had died in Egypt rather than be free and hungry in the wilderness. They claim that it would be better to be dead or enslaved in Egypt because there had been meat there and lots of bread. The book of Numbers, the fourth book of the Bible, also recounts this interaction between God and the people of Israel. Here, their complaint gets even more specific than just missing meat and bread. It's really interesting, so I want to read it for us. 
So this is Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 to 9, also from the Common English Bible. The riffraff among them had a strong craving. Even the Israelites cried again and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we ate in Egypt for free, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now our lives are wasting away. There is nothing but manna in front of us. The manna was like coriander seed and its color like resin. The people would roam around and collect it and grind it with millstones or pound it into a mortar. Then they would boil it in pots and make it into cakes. It tasted like cakes baked in olive oil. When the dew fell on the camp during the night, the manna would fall with it. So more than just missing the nourishment of meat and bread, here the people are naming flavors that they missed. Leeks, onions, garlic. Like, yes, these are food with calories, but these items are primarily about adding flavor to other things. Surviving on leeks, onions, and garlic would be really rough. Here they go so far as to say that this food was free in Egypt. And maybe they didn't pay money for the food in Egypt, but they paid in another way, with their labor and with their lives. The need for food and the desire for flavor is a strong human need. To be completely honest, I never quite understood why God waits until the Israelites are hangry and complaining to provide the manna. Surely God knew that they were going to need food and water for their journey. Did God have this plan and just never told Moses about it? God waited until the Israelites complained for it? To me, it seems like a lot of grief could have been spared if this somehow would have been communicated ahead of time. Regardless, God does provide for the Israelites in the wilderness. I also love that both in Exodus and in Numbers, we are given a description of what the manna tastes like. This is pretty stunning given how rarely taste is described in the Bible. I wonder if all the Israelite kids throughout the ages asked their adults what the manna tasted like so often that the description of it just got included in the oral history and then was eventually written down. Exodus describes it as coriander seed, white and tasting like honey wafers. Numbers says something similar and then also described how the people worked with it, that they would collect it and then grind it with millstones, pound it, boil it, and then make it into cakes. Numbers also adds the detail that it tasted like cakes baked in olive oil. I don't know about you, but I think that sounds pretty good. However, like anything that you would eat every day for years on end, I imagine the taste got pretty old to the Israelites. That's probably why they were complaining about missing the leeks and onions and garlic. I couldn't make it a year without ranch dressing while I was living in Europe. So I think 40 years without garlic would be nearly impossible. Nevertheless, God provides for them and keeps them alive while at the same time promising a better life in the promised land. 
Over time, the Israelites begin to talk about the promised land as a place that is flowing with milk and honey. Yes, they were looking towards freedom. Yes, they were looking towards building homes. But they were also looking forward to food that wasn't manna and quail. They were looking forward to milk and honey. Yet every day, until they got to the promised land, God provided what they needed. Manna and quail tasted like God's sustenance, God's presence, and God's provision. People today still experience wilderness, both literally and metaphorically. God accompanies us in many and varied ways through the wildernesses that we face. Nourishing us through food and water is one way that we experience God. Though people of faith no longer survive on manna and quail, we can still taste God's sustenance, presence, and provision. When people who are hungry are fed with any type of food, we taste God's sustenance. When Christians share in communion, the bread and wine carries with it God's love, forgiveness, and grace. In communion, we taste God's presence. When people share with abundance, with family, friends, and those in need, we taste God's provision. Thanksgiving and the coming holidays may be hard for you. You may be grieving the loss of someone you loved, and this is your first holiday season without them. You may be struggling with your body because of a diagnosis, recovery of some kind, insecurity, or trying to conceive a child. You may be isolated from those who usually celebrate with. If any of these are true, I hope that peace comes to you and that you can create intentional moments of peace for yourself, moments when you can taste God. Maybe the grounding prayer that we have been practicing together can help manage any anxiety you might experience and help to connect you to the environment around you in a positive way. Let's practice this prayer one last time together. As we move through the five senses, if you don't experience one of them, I invite you to just take a few extra deep breaths. What are five things you see? What are four things you feel? What are three things you hear? What are two things you smell? What is one thing you taste? I invite you to repeat after me. God, I thank you for my senses. Thank you for the gift of all I now sense. Help me to sense you always. Amen. Whatever lies before you this week and in the weeks to come, I hope that this series has opened up your senses to how God is present in the world around you. 
May you experience gratitude and grounding in your body. However your body experiences the world around you, may you experience awe and wonder with and through creation, grace and love through connection with it, and hope in God's love for you always. Prayer for Tasting. God who provided manna and quail, we come with hearts thankful for the gift of taste. Just as you created every color of the rainbow, you created each flavor of the world. Sweet, salty, sour, savory, bitter, and spicy combine in countless ways to nourish and delight our bodies and souls. We celebrate, comfort, and care for one another with these flavors and food. We give thanks for those who provide care for our mouths and digestive systems and for all of the medicines and treatments that they offer. May we always be grateful when we have enough food and help us to be generous and compassionate for those who are experiencing need. May we always experience your grace and nourishment wherever we eat, whoever we eat with, and whatever we eat. Amen. Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope you heard God too. Have you heard our big Advent news? For Advent and Christmas, All Places Together is collaborating with Pastor Katie Miles Wallace and Technicolor Ministries. The series is called Make the Yuletide Gay. It's the holidays in full color, and you're invited wherever, whoever, and however you are. All Places Together will be hosting a six-week podcast series, and Technicolor Ministries is hosting an online Advent calendar. We'll also be celebrating Blue Christmas together on December 21st. Y'all, I'm so grateful and excited to share this with you. Whether you are part of the LGBTQIA community, a family member, a friend, an ally, or someone who is seeking to understand this community more, you will be encouraged, inspired, and experience God's radical love. More details to come on the social feeds this week, so be sure you're following us on Facebook or Instagram, or both, at All Places Together. I'm ever grateful to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and supporters like you who share regularly with All Places Together. Your financial contributions enable this podcast to happen week after week. If you've not made a gift before and you're looking to do some year-end giving, I hope you'll consider giving to APT. To give, you can simply go to our website, allplacestogether.org. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give to APT, click that button, and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. 
We know it can be hard to give financially, so we celebrate all of the ways you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life and engage with us online throughout the week. As you're tasting all of the foods of Thanksgiving this week, I hope you'll recommend the podcast to someone who's looking to learn more about the expansiveness of God's love for them and the whole world. Your word of mouth, see what I did there, mouth taste, your word of mouth recommendations help this community grow more than anything else. And until next time, remember that God is with you and God loves you wherever, whoever, and however you are.